Hello and welcome to Music and Film Saves the World podcast. My name is Chris Rice and I'm here with Gaz Jones. Hi Gaz. Hello mate, you alright? I'm fine, thank you very much. And we're doing another one of our quick fire rankings and this is where we uh, come up with a film or music subject. Uh, sometimes both of us will do our rankings, sometimes it'll just be one of us, um, and we'll try and do it very quickly, so we're not nattering away for an hour to do them. So we, we've done a Batman one, um, which is either being released or will be released soon, and this time I'm going to give Gareth a music, a band, and he's going to rank their top five albums. He doesn't know which one I'm going to give him. Nope. Um it's a band I have no knowledge of mm-hmm. um, and well, I have knowledge of, but I haven't really ever listened to any of their stuff. Um, but we have had it as somebody has put a request in for us to do this particular ranking. And I know Gaz is, a, is no, will know about them. So Gaz, I want you to give me your top five Iron Maiden albums. Hmm. Well, firstly, but firstly, mate, I don't do requests. <laughs> right. Bye. That's the end of this podcast. <laughs> bye bye. Um, wow, Iron Maiden. Okay. It's wow. a lot of Iron Maiden albums. Uh, not not quite as many as you think. I think there's um about fifteen. Okay. About fifteen, not including live albums there, because my mm. there's there's over fifteen live albums. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, who's who's the lead singer of them at the moment? Because this gets. So it was Bruce Dickinson that he left, didn't he? Well, well, well for the first singer for the first two albums was a guy called Paul Diano. Right. Um, and then Dickinson joined in 1982. His first album was Number of the Beast, which was their right. first number one album. Yep. Bruce Dickinson left in 92. Right. Uh, he then got replaced by Blaze Bailey from a band called Wolfsbane. Right. Uh, the Tamworth Terrors, as they were known in the Kerrang at the time. Was that when uh, they had that top ten single man on a ledge man, or something. Uh, man on the edge yeah man on the edge great, the great song great song <laughs> top, top 10 hit top 10 hit in the summer of brit where i don't know where i brought i plucked that uh, out oh, fair play mate <laughs> you know you know more about iron maiden you're letting on you know? <laughs> um uh blaze was in was in maiden for, for uh about five years he did two albums right. Right. They were very good. Then Dickinson rejoins in 1999, and Dickinson has been the singer ever since. Up to, well, up till today, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they only had an album out a couple of years ago, didn't they? Or uh, last year, yeah, yeah, last year, Sinjetsu. Um, yeah. It was okay. Um, the, the the issue Maiden kind of have now is um, I kind of miss the Maiden that I grew up with, which was like succinct, kind of mm-hmm. five minute heavy glorious heavy metal albums now like the last two albums have been double albums yeah very long winded some good stuff in there they're not bad it's just oh, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a it's a little bit like we don't make that many albums anymore so when we do let's make sure we pack the cd or the, yeah. or the vinyl as much as we can and but, but just... I, to be honest I think, and i'm sure there are plenty of other major fans out there i prefer i prefer quality not quantity yeah. i don't care if i've got i've got to wait six seven years for a new album and I've, I don't care if it's only eight songs. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. If eight classic songs, fantastic. But, you know, I, Maiden's golden period for me was like 82 to 1990, really. It's been, I mean, when Dickinson rejoins um, uh, Brave New Worlds and Dance of Death, the first two albums he did were yeah. absolutely fantastic. I mean, Brave New World was 
was like one of the biggest metal comeback albums ever right. you know made literally overnight went from being yesterday's news to being one of the biggest bands in the world again not just one of the biggest bands in metal yeah and it's they're, they're kind of they're kind of bigger now than they ever were even in their 80s heyday you know? so did um dickinson just fall out with them then or did he just respond oh away? it's it's, it's a long it's, story oh it's a long it's a long old story just uh kind of uh egos um what you got to look at when dickinson left in 92 you know you're in the right in the middle of like the grunge revolution you know yeah. uh, nirvana got huge and all that kind of stuff all the seattle stuff was getting big um and it was i i, I think bruce dickinson wanted to go off and do other things yeah part of me thinks he was a little bit ashamed to be singing in a kind of cartoon fantasy heavy metal band in 1992, yeah. um, which is kind of bizarre because in 1992, Maiden had number one album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they headlined Monsters of Rock at Donington that year. They, you know, they were as big as they ever were in this country. And he, he still did. So that that was his last one as singer for that. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Dickinson's solo career never really whilst he did he did do some really interesting stuff you know yeah. he did his so-called grunge album uh, called skunk works which is really really good yeah he was doing kind of dipping his toe into like other types of music that wasn't like quite unquote traditional heavy metal um but he, he was never getting bigger than playing clubs so yeah. when I, was, I saw bruce dickinson playing the junction in cambridge in about 1998 yeah and that holds 750 800 people yeah uh, and also Maiden was suffering as well. Um, like if you look at like like what Maiden do now, apart from like headlining um, like the O2 and headlining festivals and stuff, mm. by the end of the 90s, Maiden were playing Brixton Academy and they weren't even selling it out. Yeah. yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Is, which, you know, they both needed each other more than they didn't. If you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was always one of those kind of – it never – looking back it was one of those kind of inevitable things that kind of had to happen yeah but i i never thought in a million years it would and i've told a story on um before on um on the track one side one podcast that that period at the end of the 90s where the internet was kind of taken off but i was still buying magazines i was still buying kerrang and stuff like this yeah. and i remember reading in kerrang that's how i found out bruce dickinson had rejoined iron maiden it wasn't through the internet it wasn't on social media or news sites i was so surprised cool so, yeah I've, I've grown up with them for years my my cousin god bless him he bought me an iron maiden album for christmas one year when i was about seven or eight it was a double live album love after death yeah scared, scared the shit out of me i remember <laughs> <laughs> i can remember actually some of the um some of the, the classrooms at school were, which were form rooms senior school yeah, had yeah. iron maiden album covers posters oh, nice. in, in a couple yeah. of the rooms yeah so that was early 90s so obviously mm. uh there was a lot of people did go through this iron maiden phase now yeah. i must admit i never have <laughs> no, no so yeah. what would you say then is your top five iron maiden albums i mean top top five iron maiden this is obviously albums. at the top of your head so things can change yeah, yeah of course uh, of, sort of, of course i mean, I mean all again and stuff i mean I, I mean number one for me and it always was and always will be will be 1984's power slave um believe it was the number two album in this country right. um uh, two of the most popular songs are on the album Aces High and Two Minutes of Midnight, mm-hmm. um, 
Which I think I think you'd really like Tim is the Midnight. It's got much more of kind of like a groovy kind of classic rock feel to it. Right. Okay. I think you'd really like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it's got uh, one of their longest songs on there. It's called The Rhyme of the Agent Mariner. Um, it's about 13 and a half minutes long, finishes off the album. It's, it's their best artwork. It's the one that's got like the, uh, like the, um, um, what do you call them? Pyramids. Pyramids. I know. Pyramids. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of iconic artwork. I mean, that was the thing. Iron Maiden's branding was so strong. Yeah. They were never not going to get big, you know, instantly identifiable logo yeah. that people would draw on their satchels yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Um, they had brilliant album artwork, that kind of sci-fi fantasy yeah. horror thing. Horror thing. So, it gave them a little bit of an edge, almost like they'd yeah. been a bit rebellious, scaring people a little bit. Oh, oh, it, it, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, like, it's, it's kind of being controversial, by, but yeah. not being controversial. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, you know, being scary, but also, you know, a lot of kids like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're interested in it. There's a bit of darkness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but also they had a mascot. Yeah. Who yeah, like Eddie the Ed like adorned all their merchandise. They were merchandise's wet dream. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, they were never, never. And it's what gave them the edge over all those other kind of new wave of British heavy metal bands from the early eighties. So some of them got, some of them did okay, like you know, like Saxon and bands like yeah. this. They, got, they did okay, but none of them got. Well, it was the only other one from the time was Def Leppard. Yeah, it came from that same kind of yeah, yeah. Um, scene. Um, but yeah, number one always can be Power Slave. Yeah. Uh, num- number two, I would say um, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Right. Which was their seventh album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from no- 1988, uh, yeah. number one album. Yeah. Um, possibly when Maiden were at their biggest in this country, four top ten hits off it. You, that- you you know them can i play with madness yeah that, that, that was on a now album. that yeah, was on yeah. a now yeah it's, it, it's like a pop song it's a pop yeah, song it is. oh yeah it's definitely yeah, yeah uh the evil that men do um uh well uh, the clairvoyant that was top 10 hit and infinite dreams was another top 10 hit um it's their most collaborative album uh as in like it's most of the songs on i made in realms are, are written by steve harris the bass player he is Iron Maiden. He yeah. was the guy who formed the band. He was the guy who wrote all the songs. But on on the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son album, it was the one where they started incorporating kind of keyboards. Yeah. And um, they, they, they embraced kind of, the eighties. Yeah, exactly. They embraced the mullet, the keyboards. Yeah. You know. And I suppose and, uh, they probably looked at themselves and think, you know what? If we just just made it slightly yeah. into a eighties rock album, exactly. just toned it down a little bit, exactly. Then we're yeah. going to get a big hit. And they did, you know, it, you know, to get especially to get a number one album back then, and I think it stayed number one for like two or three weeks. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't just Iron Maiden fans that were buying that. No. There were. It was, there break, were, it was almost like a proper breakthrough album or yeah, crossover I mean, album. Yeah, it was, yeah, genuine crossover album. And um, as I said before, lots of input from the other members of the band. It wasn't just Steve Harris writing all the songs. Um. Is when, it, like I say, yeah, the keyboards came in, more kind of progressive elements, um, so melodic, but like like pop hooks. If if there's an Iron Maiden album which I would like you to listen to, mate, listen to Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I genuinely think you would get the, you would get some stuff out of this, and you know I, I I'd be very surprised 
if you came back and and said and told me you didn't really like it, I generally think I'll try and have a listen like to it, it over the next couple of days. Yeah, I've yeah. seen you at the weekend, so yeah, I'll try yeah. and I'll try and listen to it before I, I see you. Nice, and, nice. Uh, um, so that was number two. Number, number three. Two, uh, number three. Oh. I'm gonna go, go for someone a bit more modern. I'm gonna go for um, Dance of Death from uh, 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said before, Dickinson rejoined in '99. Did a massive world tour. Brave New World came out. Their kind of comeback album was a huge hit. Uh, the Wicker Man was the first single off there. That was a top 10 hit. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, yeah, wonderful, just kind of glorious, stomping rock song. Uh, but it, the next album came out three years later, and it was that kind of thing. It was, it was, I was a bit nervous about it, because I was like, is lightning going to strike twice? Yeah. Um, but they followed, followed it up with an even better album for me, to be honest. It, this was the time when they started going kind of full on prog, much longer songs. Yeah. Um, much more kind of epic. And was uh, it highly regarded within the fandom? Yeah, massively, massively. Because you know, sometimes comebacks, everyone goes, oh, you know, you can yeah. get quite a bit of negative stuff. From the no, fandom. no, they didn't. The, the fans, I think, fans. Were, 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 yeah, were, were as, as kind of overjoyed and maybe a bit surprised yeah. as, as I was. Um, uh, again, I think it had two top ten hits off it: "Wildest Dreams" and "The Rainmaker" were both mm-hmm. top ten hits off uh, off "Dance of Death." Um, just one, just hearing a band that you grew up with, like, and you had a lot of kind of invested interest in. To kind of, you don't get many comeback stories, you know. Say, you know, take that and stuff like this, where they can sort of come back and almost be bigger than they were. It doesn't yes. happen that often. No, and it, it doesn't. It, and it did with Maiden. Like they headlined the inaugural uh, Download Festival that summer. Yeah. They were absolutely unbelievable. I saw them again at uh, Christmas time in Birmingham on the Dance to Death tour. And it's just glorious kind of old school rock, heavy metal, but with soul and choruses, melodies. That was yeah. the, the other thing with, with with Maiden that gave them the X factor. They had melody. Yeah. It wasn't just what a lot of people associate with heavy metal. I'm not saying it's right. You yeah. know, it is that sort of barrage of noise, not, no, not, not able to discern a song from them. And no, that's probably no. what's, as you say, as sort of put them apart from other of their contemporaries and always made them because there is there is something there isn't there there is sort yeah. of yes yes it's an x factor just their choruses are bigger their melodies are better um it's just that kind of x factor you can't quite quantify some yeah. bands have it a lot of bands don't and that you know, that's the reason that they were the yeah. ones that got the biggest out of that that crop of bands at the early in the cool. early 80s so um, that yeah, was yeah. so what one was that one that was your three number three, no, number three dance to death yeah uh number four and this is probably going to be a uh, hot take, controversial one. Right. But this is a pure nostalgic one for me because it was the first Iron Maiden album that I bought. And it's 1990s No Prayer for the Dying. Right. <gasps> That's the sound of Maiden fans going, what? <laughs> oh, is, that, is it not a popular one? No, not really. Not really. Um, it, it's quite often voted one of the worst when yeah. people do... Uh, uh, the countdowns of, of yeah. made albums and rankings and stuff. But for me, it, it's got, yes, it's got a bit of guff on it, but it's got 
well, for a start, it's got their only it's got their only number one single on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fantastically yes. Monica bring your daughter to the slaughter, yep. which is dripping in irony. Um, I love the fact that it knocked off Saviour's Day <laughs> by uh, by by our mate Clough. Hi, Clough. Um, off, off the top off the top of the charts, and it stayed there for two weeks in January. They did that genius thing, releasing a single in January when no one else releases singles. They mm-hmm. released it on about ten or twelve different formats. Right picture discs and all that kind of stuff where all the maiden fans will go and buy it and it stayed at number one for two weeks mm. um despite the fact that radio one didn't play it obviously yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah i think it was also if i remember it was like a massive surprise it was top of the pops you're like oh straight in the number one yeah i mean yeah they had a song out <laughs> yeah and in fact it stayed there the following week as well that was yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was the killer for me it was brilliant um yeah. but it's it's this was the album after seventh son of a seventh son and they kind of this this was like 1990 they they wanted to kind of scale back the keyboards and the progressiveness they wanted to make a bit more of a kind of sort of rawer shorter songs almost yeah. i don't know i mean there's dare i say it kind of kind of punky influence like shorter snappier songs um uh the opening track tail gunner is is wonderful um uh holy smokes on that album which again was another top five here I, I think yeah. during, during that late 80s to early 90s period they had about seven or eight consecutive top 10 hits it's amazing you know amazing, that, really. that's the that's the other thing that separates them from a lot of those and probably bands. probably apart from can i play with madness probably never played on the radio either no 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 yeah yeah apart from you know the top 40 kind of count yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah um again a number two album a brilliant artwork um and it will always be one of my favorites because it was the first um first made now i got or bought i think it was one of the first cds i ever got as well cool so so what's your fifth one so this is your fifth favorite isn't it because you've gone from top to bottom yeah yeah i mean they're all favorites in this fruity little club of course yeah 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 uh, apart from virtual 11 because that was absolutely awful (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, uh, fifth favorite, it would probably be um, Summer in Time from 1986. Um, it's probably when around the time when they were at their biggest in America. Yeah, uh, it's got brilliant um, album artwork. It's kind of like Terminator meets Star Wars kind of album artwork. Yeah. It's wonderful. And this was the period um, when they were starting. To, like with Seventh Son and Seventh Son, they, they that's when like the keyboards were kind of front and center, yeah, and synths and stuff. This is when they were starting to bring them in, um, uh, and again, kind of loads of like more like, like melodic flourishes on this album. Uh, a track called Heaven Can Wait, which is like um, was always one of their best songs that they played live. It was was one of the ones that the Maiden fans used to look yeah. forward to when they played it live. Uh, uh, again, another two uh, top 20 hits off this album. There was Stranger in a Strange Land and Wasted Years. Mm-hmm. Wasted, Wasted Years. That'd be another one you'd love. It's okay. again, it's a pop song. It's yeah. you know, it's not too far removed from like a Brian Adams chorus. Yeah. Honestly, honestly. Well, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah I thought I might take your ears up, mate. Um. And yeah, it's this kind of glorious kind of mid eighties. Uh, uh, you, you look at any kind of rock band in the mid eighties, it was all going in a much more kind of commercial mm. roots because of MTV, yeah. the power of MTV and stuff like this. 
Um, but they were they were doing it, but it was still kind of unmistakably Iron Maiden. But the key, you know, it, 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 like you were saying about earlier about shaving off the kind of rough edges. This is yeah. where it kind of started. Yeah. With with them. Um, and again, it's just a wonderful, glorious kind of eighties rock album. The yes, it's dated a bit, but the songs are so bulletproof. Yeah. You can't really go wrong. And I think that's a heck of a top five. Uh, cool. Well, list, I might have to, I might have to finally listen to a couple of Iron Maiden albums. So. I think you should make <laughs> definitely start with seventh son of a seventh son. I, I do genuinely think you will like it. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. And this was a request. Somebody asked me, could we do an Iron Maiden? And I said, listen, I've got no knowledge of Iron Maiden, but I know, I know a man who does. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Gaz. This has been a Music and Film Saves the World podcast. Another quick countdown, and we'll be back very soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.